welcome to Snowden January to never letting the emotional terrorist win. We are responsible for doing better if our past actions aren't our best selves. You can always change the future because it hasn't happened yet. Are you in there? No. People are asking where you've been. <laughs> I think that's just going to be my response now for every single fucking time you do something like that or say little comments like that. Leave I'm just going to turn room. it off. Bye-bye. I'm just going to turn it off. Every time I'm going to be like, hello. Like, you. I'm cold. I had I'm a blanket cover. Now. I had a blanket over my legs and my feet while we were reading and stuff on the couch. So now like once I got up, my body was not regulated to regular temperature. Yeah. I'm also cold, but I think that's just because I'm sick. That could also be it, too. But I'm literally, like, I'm wearing fuzzy socks and, like, flannel pajama pants and a sweater. And I'm drinking tea and I'm still cold. So it's probably just the sickies. But it's not going to stop us from reading smut, no, sir. We're not going to stop, no. That's not what I was no, saying. No, we're not going to stop. We're not gonna stop reading all the smut. That's probably the worst one you've ever done. I'm sorry. I, I love you. Not every song can be turned into a smut song. Now, that's not I, the I kind feel of like that's a challenge. Like, yeah, no, I feel like that's a challenge. That's definitely a challenge. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Honestly, I'll accept it on Ariel's behalf. Don't what encourage song are we her, going please. to try next? <laughs> please don't encourage her. So welcome to Snowden January and welcome to our beautiful specials. And we have Miss Angie with us again because Hello. you're welcome. You're, yep. <laughs> that is your New Year's gift, Angie, for our first three specials because we're going to have three this month. Today's number two. Yes, bitch. And what did we read? Today we read Snowed In the anthology volume two and it is a paranormal why choose anthology and today we each picked one of the short novella slash stories in the anthology and we are going to each talk about the ones that we read yep before we and as the same as the last episode that we did i didn't tell either of them which one i picked Mm -hmm. and you're welcome yeah, before we be, kick it yeah, off, I move in the shadow. It's gonna be a surprise for everybody. Before we kick it off, did we want to list the names of the choices that were in the anthology? Of course, I can do it this time, and then Angie can do it next yep. time, and then all three Sounds of us great. will have read things. You're welcome. I awesome volunteered sauce. you. I volunteered you what you're doing. So it's okay, I'm used to it. You know what? She's gonna be a good girl, and she's gonna do what I say. You're welcome. You're supposed to say thank you, Daddy. Oh my God! This well, is what happens as we break it. <laughs> First of all, I'm not trained, and that's on you. <laughs> it's new. It's okay. We'll get through it. We'll get through it together. It's okay. Okay, anyways. That's so for, what, Angie. <laughs> for the books in this anthology, it is Not and Cold, They're Naughty Beta, An Omega for Christmas, Never Have I Ever Green, Upon a Wicked Night, They're Omega's Toy, Barely Snowviving, Tinsel and Shifter, why are you laughing? Wrath and Wreaths. <laughs> I'm holding it in. Snowed in Omega. And Oh, Holy Spite. And Stolen by Dragons. What 
All I want for Christmas is an alpha knot. Oh my god. <laughs> I swear to god at the end of the year it's just gonna be one I'm just gonna month. quit. You know what's gonna happen is Angie's <laughs> gonna be taking my place because I'm done. <laughs> Do you want to go first today, Crystal, since you went second last time? Why we'll not? just kinda go around. Be terrible, but absolutely I got you. Do you wanna build a snowman? Do you wanna go first? Do you wanna come first? Please <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yes, yes please. mommy, please. <laughs> I'm not mommy. Oh, I know. <laughs> that was you saying it, but <laughs> she was. Yeah, she was responding yeah. for you. Yeah, because you so, weren't going to. Okay, here's the thing. As she ignores me and moves on. I am. So I read "Oh Holy Spite" because "Oh Holy Spite." Nope, that's not where I was going with that. Oh Holy Dick. <laughs> here's the thing. The warning page is three pages long. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to read it to you. I mean, tape I don't give me, don't, I mm, wait until you hear all of it first. So here is the warnings. This is a paranormal why choose romance with poly elements. Our FMC Dolores will not have to choose between love interests. There are many situations included that are intended for mature audiences. In this book, there may be instances or references, be they small or lengthy, that could trigger some individuals, such as liberal use of appropriate consent, biting, BDSM, oral sex, raw sex, shifted sex, traumatic childhood, MMF, MFMM, MF, super heinous puns, literally lots, unhealthy coping mechanisms, body parts in jars, neurospicy MMC, Body modifications, fancy genitalia, male knots slash barbs, slightly unhinged MMC, PTSD, blood, emotional abuse, disgust, alcohol use, domestic violence, disgust, implied child abuse, body dysmorphia, bad language, power play, adorable nicknames, coercive emotional abuse by authority figures, disgust, not in polygroup, voyeurism, rough sex, anal sex with wings, marking, lawyers mentioned, professor slash student above 18, age gap from 17 years to almost 2,000 years, family dysfunction, absolute disrespect for shitty parents, pop culture references, so many, brief mentions of non-body positive dieting culture, brief mentions of parental death slash murder, very liberal reimagining of history, discussion of other species as lower, official corruption, inappropriate use of stuffed animals, exhibitionism, hand necklaces, adult bullying, impact play, elitism, physical threats to FMC and others, speciesism, Unabashed hoarding, role reversal, band slash musical geek shit, you'll see. No sexual practices in this book should be taken as safe or appropriate for real life application. Content information is important and I don't ever want to harm readers with inaccurate information. You're welcome. That's all in one book? Inappropriate yeah. use of stuffed animals. Don't worry about I it. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am assuming those will be answered as she explains the timeline. Probably not. Well... You read that, and I still read the book. You're yes. You read that, and you still read the book, even though you don't like shifted sex. Mm -hmm. I was confused the whole time. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was really confused. Do I know who was what animal? Absolutely not. You are like firm about like no, no, well aware. In my brain, they weren't shifted, but they definitely were. In my brain, they weren't, but they absolutely were. So this description is gonna be a ride. Wild. I'm telling you right now. And I'm sorry, was that fancy? Fancy genitalia. There is a piercing. Oh. I don't know if that's it or if there was other things involved with genitalia. Wasn't paying attention, apparently. There was so much going on in this book 
that I got And you lost. still chose that's what you're going to... Yeah, well, okay. she did say she wanted to surprise you. And this you. is why. I and guess we are is, here for the ride. And this is the reasoning why. So next is the author ramblings. And I'm Should just going to read a couple highlighted things that I put in here. I joined this anthology despite my extremely overburdened schedule because I am vehemently against some of the mean girl shit that has gone on in our genre and romance in general. Seeing an author decide they have to pull a book because some self-centered egomaniac used the court of public opinion and their fan base in an attempt to discredit a colleague is super gross and is not at all okay. And she just kept going about it. And we thought you were direct, Arielle. Damn. Bitches. If you're not part of the solution, you are part of the problem. I chose to practice what I preach. My usual instinct is to be supportive in the background, but having just barely survived my own mudslinging narcissist, she decided to speak up. So she made room for this project where there was none and using a short story from the universe, most adamantly fighting off mean girl bullies to do so. It felt like the right move and my brawler bunny was more than happy to contribute. While the injured party in this case seems to be doing well and the onslaught of nasty disappeared once she pulled her book, it hasn't escaped my notice that the bully is taking advantage of that by throwing as much promo into her own book as possible. I mean, tis the season, and that can't be why she attacked a popular author who might have taken away her holiday buzz with a new tale of tinsel and snow. She went in on her. And you know what? I'm here for it. It says, you know, obviously, so are we. Since we have an entire month here dedicated to snowed in January with a side of tinsel. The other thing to note is this story is from a world that starts with a few other books. The world in which our characters live is set up in those books, but you should be able to enjoy this content regardless. You may not understand all the references, but you can mostly follow along. She typically writes really lengthy books with intricate world building and character development. So it's a lot. Old Holy Spite is a why choose poly romance. So by Cassandra Featherstone. Cassandra, you just earned yourself three new besties. I may have been very much confused and that's okay. I was still here for the ride. The dedication is also great because the dedication is to never letting the emotional terrorist win. I love that so much. I have goosebumps. I literally have goosebumps. And not just because I'm cold. This book was interesting, and I'm going to do my best. I'm going to miss a lot because I don't typically delve into the world of shifters for one, but a poly relationship with like six shifters. Wow, that's there a are lot six of players. people in this relationship. That's- I have a hard enough time with like two. It also has a playlist involved, and it also comes with a pronunciation guide and a map. I apologize in advance for how much I'm going to butcher this. And I'm so sorry. Yes. And Crystal is very new to this world. So So it was probably a big culture shock. And it's not going to be great. And I am so sorry. And I do not mean disrespect for the fact I'm going to absolutely butcher this. And we hope that you appreciate our attempt at Snowden And legitimately, what sold me on this was literally that section about I don't put up with bullying authors. And the fact she called her right out. That's why I picked it. So this takes place at Apex Academy, which is great. It's a school. So I believe this is a college-aged romancy book. So it starts off with this guy named Fitz. It does go in different point of views for each chapter. And they are very clearly labeled at the top as to who is speaking. So that's nice. And Fitz is upset 
currently. He was just getting off the phone with a lawyer. He does call the lawyer a hillbilly lawyer because his baby girl is having a problem. Not an actual baby. Her name is Dolly. Yes. Because it sounds like when I try to name people in books and I just go, oh, that Karen ghost hunter. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah that, that guy. Karen ghost hunter. Yeah. That guy. Her name is Dolores, but they call her Dolly throughout the whole book. So Dolly had been going to a therapist. Dolly's a better name. Yes. Dolly had been going to a therapist. But the therapist's name is Rockland. And Rockland is a lady from what I gather. And she was abusing her in therapy. So that's fun. And making things a lot harder. So Fitz is obviously pissed and he wants to go after this lady. He goes, it's going to be so bloody and painful. Every jab and ache she caused my baby girl will be avenged if I have to murder the entire council to get to her. Burn the world. Hell yeah. Burn and it down. Yes. Who runs the world? Girls. Red flags. Baby girl. <laughs> red flags. Red flags. You know, sometimes red's my favorite color, so it's okay. Fitz is like worked up. And Chessie is a dude also, is by the way. Everybody is a dude except for Dolly. I learned this halfway through. Everybody is a dude except for Dolly. I just love how you have to say that out loud. Every, listen, you'll understand why. Yes. So Chessie is like calming Fitz down a little bit. Did you say Chessie like? um, Chessie, C-H-E-S-S-I-E. Like Like Chester, um, but Chessie. Yeah. No, like in the parent trap. And the cook, like, nanny lady. I guess so. And her name, I think, was Chessie. No? Sure. No, her name was oh. Jessie, I think. I thought it was Chessie. I don't, I don't know. know. This is Now Chessie. I have to watch the parent trap again. Yeah. Yay! Um, this is a guy. And he is like, you know, we can't attack the ratty cunt until we're sure she doesn't have that book in the pipeline somewhere. You what can't book? make it to one freaking episode without saying your favorite word. It's See in you the next book. Tuesday! I have make to it say through it. one word. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, Fitz is like, I don't want to wait. I want to make her guts into garters for our girl. They are violent I for like the record. That. I like that a lot. It's I great. I but also I like believe that. that this I, coupled with the warning list. I mean, I'm here for this. Then they start flirting. <laughs> Chessie and Fitz. It's very clear they're all in a relationship together. And as far as I know, Chessie is a cheetah and Fitz is a tiger. How do I know this? Because Fitz refers to Chessie as his cheetah all the time. They're like kind of flirting and then in pops Dolly and she's just, you know, I think you're both hot no matter what you're doing. Because they're just like flirting and talking back and forth. And there's a lot of weird references in this book. The beginning I kind of struggled a little bit going through because of the back and forth where we just kind of jumped right in. And, you know... Fitz goes, hey, you're here just in time to help me show our cheetah how much we appreciate his purr. And then, of course, he calls her over and says, don't make me use the Mortal Kombat voice. Shake that fluffy tail. For the record, Dolly is a bunny. Like a real bunny? She's a shifter. So she shifts into, yeah, bunny, Uh... tiger, cheetah. Don't worry, because there's more. Okay, cool. Yes. So I believe they are in their forms, as far as I know, from (laughs) what the context is going I'm not tracking any of this, but yes, go on. Dude, you're me reading it. (laughs) It's not a bad book. I just don't read these things. And this is very difficult for me to understand, but I wanted to do this. So she runs over to the couch and then she just crawls over. And he says that she looks like a tasty fucking snack in her tiny little pajamas and that she looks very delectable on her hands and knees. 
for a whole ass snack. Yeah. <laughs> a whole snack. And they make little comments here and there about how, you know, she's a queen and she sets her own terms and she goes, yeah, you're right. No one will ever force me to submit again. So it is kind of hinted that like she has some stuff in the past in trauma and everything. So they are very good about letting everything be on her terms. terms. And it's so cute. I know it's so great. And so Chester starts wriggling against the dude. Then Fitz asks Dolly to come over and help him to take all of the clothes off of Chessie so that they can do their thing. And Dolly's like, hell fucking yeah, and takes Chess's, they call him Chess a lot. So they were already an established Yes, this is already an established, yeah, this is already an established relationship. And so she just goes down on him. Cool. (laughs) She's like teasing him, and Fitz is like, good girl, now the pants, I want to see you stroke our cock. So he refers to Chess's stuff as ours. It's interesting. So, you know, she's blowing him, fun times, and then... Chester uh, is the bottom. Chester is the bottom. Chester's a guy, man. Chessie, Chessie's the bottom. Chessie's the bottom, bottom. And she occasionally is like nipping at him and she comments about how he marks so good and she really likes it. And Fitz is like, oh boy, we both do. <laughs> Biting makes you a little needy mess. So that's fun. So she's doing the thing. And Fitz is like, okay, I think we need to take care of the monster don't you and she goes hell yeah i'm hungry you should spin him around on your lap and fuck him i want to taste him so he does <laughs> i love that for her she's so self she is she so... is very self-confident she's so... so sure in what she wants and she's not afraid to ask for it i yeah. love that yeah so fitz is running his teeth along his mating mark on him and apparently they have a toy box and lube in every single room in their house and it was chess's idea it's good to be prepared absolutely that's just good sense honestly it's great sense so that happens and so he's got his hands in chess and he's prepping him so that he can bang the shit out of him she decides to bend over and lick the tip of chessie's pierced dick so she's blowing him while Fitz is banging Chess. And all of a sudden, you just hear someone go, Princess, you smell needy. And in comes Felix. That's number four, guys. Hey, Felix. And Felix comes in. And Fitz is like, Felix, you asshole. We're in the middle of something. Either tag in or get the fuck out. <laughs> I will preface this by saying that Felix and Fitz are brothers. They're twins. Okay. As and long Felix as just Felix laughs. and Fitz don't fuck I'm they cool. do not. No. Okay, great. They don't talk. No. no, they don't. They just share their toys. Exactly. At that point, that's a bit narcissistic. <laughs> like, <laughs> and this part, this part <laughs> might take Angie out. And I'm sorry. Because Felix gets behind her because, you know, she's blowing chess. So she's, you know, down. And Felix goes behind her and says, would you like me to help you, princess? All you have to do is say, please. You know how good girls get what they asked for. And she just goes, please, sir, fuck me while I suck Chessie off. I'm soaked. So, yes, now they are in a thing and they just go, baby girl, you and Chessie are the best meat in our sandwich, hands down. The twins are the bread to the sandwich. Exactly. And then they give Chessie It's not a sandwich. Cut- it's a sub. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good, actually. But then... Fitz gives Chessie permission to come to give 
Dolly something to fill her stomach. So he just says, give her a hungry girl something to fill her. And, you know, that's fun for them. So then all of a sudden you have two more people that walk in and they're like, really, we can't leave you guys alone for a couple of hours without just coming in and finding a pile of sweaty idiots. So Rennie comes in and Rennie, I think is a gargoyle. There are hints there. I believe he's a gargoyle. So Aubrey and Rennie walk in together. Aubrey is also a guy. And that is why I preface that everybody but Dolly is a guy because Aubrey is a guy. Okay. <laughs> they come in and they mention that there is a huge snowstorm going on outside. Like it's starting. The flurry is starting. And they kind of get like a little bit of hints that there is something going on at the school and that everyone is currently locked up and on high alert and that when classes go back, that's not going to be the case. Then Fitz reaches out and yanks dolly close to him and goes good thing i got the spicy salamander that kama sutra a day calendar for yule and they can plan it to have fun so basically they're going to be trapped inside this house while the snow is going on and at least they have a kama sutra to let the time go by well you Um, know if you must spend the time locked indoors together you might as well entertain yourselves with the kama sutra Yeah. And then you kind of get like a little bit into Dolly's head where she was talking about like, I think she's like newly a bunny because she just says that the more in tune with her bunny that she gets, the more fuel she needs to expend a lot of energy. And according to the guys, it's normal, but they're not the product of an evil sociopathic mother and a female diet culture. So they do kind of go into that. And it kind of hints that her mom really fucking sucks. But you know what? I've read a lot of books and a lot of moms really suck. May I just tip my hat at the author for making a whole ass character out of the joke slash phrase fucking like bunnies. That went over my head. And I love this. Tipped, ma'am. Madam, wonderful job. Wonderful work. So good. (laughs) good. That's fantastic. I just caught that. Throughout this thing, Rennie speaks French a lot throughout this. He's super old, which is fine. But like Age-wise, him and Aubrey are the oldest of the two of them. They've been around a lot longer. I think they are like thousands of years old. But Ren wants to show Dolly something. Not that something. But. (laughs) Well. I know, right? Why not? There is a lot of really cute banter between all of them all the time. Like, they have a lot of stuff that goes back and forth. And I guess the narcissistic counselor that she had the one who abused her was trying to sell Dolly's life story in her erotic novels and everything got worse. So it's kind of hinted throughout here. And I'm assuming that it's because it's like within other books that there is more to the story as to what's going on. So there's a lot of cool stuff going back and forth with them. After all of the mess in the house gets cleaned up, Rennie goes up to her and says, I just want to show you something since we have like the small little lull before the semester begins and like a bunch of other shit happens for crazy stuff and she's you know like oh let's go let's go do this and as far as i know aubrey is a dragon we have a dragon a gargoyle a tiger a bunny and a cheetah but there's five people i'm missing something else you're missing uh... i am so maybe there's only five i don't know why i thought six well no because hang on because the twins felix felix what's felix they're twins. They're probably the same. It's possible. Yes. 
it would make sense. But anyways, like I said, I think if I read the whole series itself, everything will click together a little bit. And again, I feel bad that I'm doing this not justice, but I'm trying. And this is something out of my wheelhouse, typically. We so, are here for the ride. You know, I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. So Rennie wants to show Dolly something. So they leave their house place thing. I don't remember because they say they go back to the library. So I think they're like in a library. So he takes her to this art complex and she's like, why are you taking me here? And he likes to hide things. This man has a piano. Guess what? He plays piano. He's also been around for like thousands of years, but she didn't know this. And she likes music and everything. So they sit down and they play piano together and they sing together. And it's really cute that they're just like bonding. And then she says, you know, you're a master's of a million things because you're older than dirt. And I'm still trying to figure out how to work my damn bunny. She puts herself down a lot because obviously with her history, obviously there's something there that makes it so she's not so self-assured. You know what I mean? She understands the music that's going on. And he's like, there's nothing wrong. She's like, I could barely keep her from sending me to have my body fixed to her satisfaction because she could smell sounds and hear things in her mind. And she can't really tell her mom that. Of course, Rennie's like, there's nothing wrong with your brain. No more than minor fitzes. What else have you figured out? And she says that Aubrey has an eidetic memory. He tries to hide his corner of the rainbow spectrum. But if I move one of his treasures a centimeter to test him, he knows it's spooky. And Aubrey is the dragon. So you can learn anything you teach him after a few lessons. Then he goes on the nose. And our fearless leader, which I believe they're talking about fits. And she goes, you mean his massive control issues? They come from anxiety. His shithead father spent most of his life threatening his grandmother and his twin and his adopted brother. So you kind of get like a little bit of history of them as well. And basically, it kind of comes out that Dolly has, I can't pronounce the word, synesthesia. Thank you. And Grison, those two are not common, but she has that. And it's endearing to him. And he says, our job is to help you unlearn the shit your mother filled your head with. And that means you're going to hear us wax poetically because they always compliment her. And again, they call her a queen all the time. They're really trying to combat all the fucking trauma that she's had. It's a cute moment that they get to kind of spend time together. And Dolly is really happy to have time just between her and Ren because they don't get that a lot. And then they kind of go back and they're talking about, they think that the missing students at the school, again, because we're in the book, they think that maybe the missing students in the school are being either hurt or killed. They don't actually know what's going on, but bad stuff was happening and they'll figure it all out when they come back from break. So do they all work at the school? Or they no, they're a... students. They're all students. They're all students. Yes. Including I, Ren? Yeah. All of them are students. Why are they students? Literally don't know. I got nothing for you. So then the snow starts to pick up a lot. And Fitz, Chess, and Aubrey are worried because Ren and Dolly are not back at the house yet. And they're kind of, they're kind of freaking out a little bit because, you know. Yeah. yeah. The thing I really like a lot, though, is they all praise Dolly when she's not even around. And they talk about how great she is as a person, which is really cool. And as they're trying to leave to go find Dolly and Ren, they're trying to get Aubrey to blow fire because he's a dragon. 
And he goes, I'm not going to do that. Like, what the fuck? I can't just like, I can't just do that. Chess goes, no, our angel will murder you if you get hurt just playing around. And he goes, yeah, but her punishment is so worth it. Plus, I get to see grumpy Gila monster blow flames. It seems like a win to me. You know what? That's the kind of brat energy that Fitz I'm is really for. funny. Fitz, is, I like him a lot. He's really funny. And he is like their quote unquote, like leader of the group. And so as they're walking through, they hear music going and Aubrey just kind of states, I wondered when he was going to let her know he's been sitting on this one for the last year and he just hasn't told her because he wanted to sh- a moment to share something special with her. And that's why like he's waited this long, because obviously, you know, you have to have all their relationships with everybody. And it's so cute. And so they all head back home to the library and the snow is getting a lot worse. And because they're all bored, Chess, Fitz, and Felix decide that they want to prank Aubrey and Ren because Aubrey and Ren are the two oldest of everybody. Oh, God. And they go up to Dolly and they're like, I have a proposal. And she goes, what? Like, not that kind of proposal. Like, we want your help to prank Aubrey and Ren because they kept shit hidden from us for so long, but we always wanted us to share everything. And... They suggest that she come up with a few ideas because they tend to be more overt and less devious. And apparently she would be way more devious with it. I don't know what the prank ended up being. I probably missed it. They just, there's a mini ambush, but they can sense a lot that the change in the weather feels off because it has slowed down, but it feels weird that it, that the weather has slowed down. Like there's just like a shift in the feelings as soon as the weather stops. Ren wants to take a flight once the snow stops. And Aubrey just keeps stating like he feels like the weather is super off. And instead, Aubrey decides to take Dolly for her own flight. And he's bringing her to a place that he wants to share with her as well. He brings her to a motherfucking castle. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> it's just so wild. Dragon. Yeah. Beauty the beast. Because he Woo. is a dragon. Yeah. He collects things. So he has this castle and she's like, what the fuck? And she just goes, Aubrey, you just made me Princess Peach and I'm standing on top of Bowser's castle. He goes, I blink. And oh, Fitz is never going to let this one go because no one else knows about his castle. (laughs) I just thought it was funny. It was a great quote about it. And he calls her a Lunchable for some reason, like a lot. He calls her a little lunchable. I kind of makes sense because she is a snack. She is a rabbit. He's a dragon. He could eat her. I get it. He does call her. They all have like little nicknames for her. Lunchable, probably the funniest one that I have read in this book. It's fucking hilarious. So he wants to show her all of the different stuff that he has gathered and all the wealth that he has gathered behind the walls. She's like, well, where do we start? And he goes, you know what? We'll start and we'll go to each floor individually. And she's like, are they all different? And he's like, of course. Everything is cataloged and in its proper place. I mean, you know, as I'm they starting, should be. I'm starting to find my favorite. I like Aubrey a lot. Aubrey is one of my favorites. I like the dragon. He's so cute. And so he brings her to this enormous room, which has black marble everywhere. There's paintings and sculptures and statues and photos. And like, it's just, it's awesome. And it's just a lot. And he's been literally gathering it his entire life. He never raid villages for anything he goes i don't want your ethically abundant best friend coming after me when you tell her because she does have two friends they're just not really into the story they're mentioned like very briefly but they can't come to their house because of all the snow again i'm assuming in the full book 
everything is explained and that's okay. And so she's just kind of like walking around and he's like, you know, unlike humans, dragons are quite fair in their pursuit of valuables. That's probably why the assholes love to portray us as greedy fuckers in their tails. And she kind of walks in. There's like an empty display pedestal. And she goes, what was in here? And he goes, your crown. I'm like, there's a crown? It belonged to the last dragon empress. By the way, this person is his mother. So the crown belonged to his mom. He gave her? Yeah. He did. He did give her a crown. She goes, how the hell did you get that thing anyway? And why are you letting me wear something this priceless? And she said that she's like, I knew it was expensive, but now I feel like an idiot storing it on the special wig head Rufus gave me in my bedroom. So she literally stores this crown on a wig in her room and it's worth a Hmm. lot of money. And he goes, that was adorable. Do it again. Better yet, do it with (laughs) your ears because like she's fidgeting. And she's like, Aubrey, you can't just drop shit like that on me and expect me to hop like a good little rabbit. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. He explains that like, besides Rennie, she's the only other person that he's ever brought to that castle. And she's like, why? And he's just like chaos. The human curiosity, hunters, fear mongering. Like it's just, there's a whole bunch of reasons that there's no don't want to bring anybody there and then he says as for how i got it it's a fair family heirloom and it belonged to my mother and she's like he doesn't get why i'm so irritable but i definitely would have treated a precious crown from his freaking mother the empress differently than some random expensive thing i mean i didn't do anything stupid with the crown but i didn't treat it like a priceless artifact either and aubrey just blinks and goes i said it was a dragon crown and she goes yeah but i didn't think that it was gonna be from your mother like she's like chess's parents are dead so there's no worries about them fitz and felix's father's a psychopath like her mom is and for some reason she just assumed aubrey and rennie weren't too old his mom is still alive apparently for the record she's just retired he goes he's like she's she isn't horrid bite size he calls her bite size too she's just very old school and retired obviously then she goes i have to get my shit together he's looking at me like i'm ready for a grippy sock vacation which was also funny. <laughs> I also like yeah. Rupee Sox vacation. She's like, you have to tell me these things. Like, you and Rennie hold back the most. I need to know. And he goes, yeah, you're right. People, you know, his mom had seen her in it because, like, they go out, apparently, and get pictures taken in it. And he goes, people have taken your picture in it. You also wore a con tiara on your New Year's Eve. And she goes, excuse me? So, basically, the con tiara was a big middle finger to... I don't know who at the Raj is, but the Raj and her mom. So basically, it's also priceless. So another expensive tiara. She didn't know any of these things were happening. So wild times. So they're continuing in the castle. And all of a sudden, there's just more stuff. And they stumble upon. There's a lot of like vinyl pressings. He owns a lot of vinyl pressings. And he has... A Wu-Tang Clan album in there, too. Of course he does. <laughs> so there's that. And then he goes, this room coming up is the most secret place of all. Even Rennie knows not to open his big fat mouth about it or he's in deep shit. What is this room, you may ask? The best room in this castle. The dungeon? It's a plushy room. It's just <laughs> plushies. All of the plushies. All um, plushies. Yes. And she's like, I love that you brought me here and you really tried hard not to actually say why. And he goes, 
I don't know what you mean. She goes, it goes something, oh, Dolly, I want to take you on a trip to my super secret place no one gets to go to. And then, of course, I'll go with you, Aubrey. Surely this doesn't mean anything important. Followed by, no, you just can't tell anyone about my adorable vault of toys I only share with my mates. But of course, this sloth is too far smart to believe that nonsense. And he goes, I do not sound like that. You're the only other person besides our broody Batman that I trust with things most important to me including my heart and she's like good because there's no other plushy hoarding lizard man i'd rather be with and he just continues to call her a lunch bone. dolly wants him to let out his dragon like she just says instigator <laughs> let him out to play she is an instigator she <laughs> bites his thigh because i mean why not and his wings pop out pop his wings. <laughs> all right bat boy and he just goes be careful when you play with fire my queen they call, love it my queen it's so cute so he shifts and he is as she says ribbed for her pleasure and that the dragon is sexy as shit and she blows him and then he just goes someone's been giving our girl lessons and i bet i goddamn know who it is bet you it's fitz it's got to be fitz come on so yeah they they do that and you know he asks her to sit on his face and she goes, but what if, and he goes, if she I die. even like fit on her face, his face. His, as a I don't fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But he just says, Work get your fluffy, be. he just goes, get your fluffy ass up here and sit on my motherfucking face while you suck my cock. I'm a goddamn dragon woman. You won't break me. And she goes, but what if, and he goes, if I die, I die. Now feed your king. And I was like, oh, okay. I know. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yep. And then a bunch of the drama starts happening with all the classes again. But, you know. Wait, did they ever a, get when, together with a Kappa Sutra? No, so far, no. Are <laughs> you trying to figure out the fitting on her, sitting on his face thing? I know. I don't know what his face looks like as a dragon. <laughs> okay, that's... I bet you his tongue probably feels really nice. If his dick is ripped for her pleasure, can you imagine the tongue? <gasps> but she's got to be sucking his cock. Yeah. He'll be so facing the other the direction. Other yeah. She, she can't reach. Apparently she can't. He asked, he asked her to sit on his face after they were done. He said, I get your fluffy ass up here and sit on my motherfucking face while you suck my cock. Oh, see, I, that's not possible. She well, needs dolls. We should send her some dolls. A dragon doll and a bunny doll? Yeah. Anyways, so, yep. yeah. Did you say a bunny doll? A bunny doll. Yeah, she's yeah, a bunny. Dolly's a bunny. I, yeah, I don't. Because I don't. Um, they she asked shifted her, at this so point? Some, she definitely can't reach. No. He, so he sometimes they do. Ass. Sometimes they do ask her to pop her ears out and pop her tail out without shifting fully just to uh -huh. get into whatever right. they're doing. And then like they kind of <laughs> she kind of talks a little bit about her magic. And again, I got no context as to what the fuck's going on. But she just says, I think I have to talk to my magic like I do my bunny. So I'm assuming something's going on with her magic and that shit's happening. But then, you know, they're cleaning up whatever and she's out and they she goes out into the main room and the guys are just sitting around and talking they're at the, the castle or they, they are back, back at the library i library. believe they're back at the library at this point because okay. they did their thing in the castle and now they're back here i know i'm telling you i'm fucking all over the place so they're here but the tone in the room is like super like Somber. serious okay. and what happened is they're gathered around the couch looking at the news gathered channel you here today no. And on the screen, it just says the council announces all shifter 
academies will resume classes after freak storm ends. Student bodies will be redistributed to accommodate space lost at Apex and rising numbers of families choosing private tutors for children with elite families. And they're like, you got to say something, Dolly. Like, you got to say something. And she just goes, if she tries to separate us, my mother is going to die much sooner than we planned. That's not a threat. It's a promise. And Hell yeah. And isn't a happy grin. And she just goes, they call me their queen. So if people don't quit messing with us, I'll start taking their heads. And then it ends. That's it. I love that. It's called Eat, Pray, Love. So I liked the book. I do need to know the world. <laughs> I have never been so lost in my entire life, but that's okay because there were parts were that connected. here for the ride. I was here for the ride. And you know what? What a ride it was. There was a lot of rides. It was great. I loved <laughs> it. So good. So anyways, my favorite character was absolutely Aubrey. Love that dragon boy. Love him. He's great. I actually liked them all. They treated her very nicely and they treated her like a queen and it was glorious. We didn't get too much of Felix. In the book. It was a really is, long story for a partial. I know. It was very long. <laughs> very long. It was a lot. I liked it. I definitely want to read more. I'm going to go 3.5 just because I'm confused. And honestly, once I get more of the story, I will be more into it. Honestly, the whole anthology for me was really tough for me to get into because this is not normally the genre and we that knew I that this Yes. We knew that I was going to have a harder time. Volume 2 was going to be Which harder. is fine. And I'm cool yeah. with it. And I had a great time. I just, I know I need to, with worlds like this, I need to personally get more into the actual world itself. But kudos but to time. you for jumping in anyways. And, you know. I had to pick the most difficult think. one. You really honestly, did. because I really did. There was a lot going on in this one. And honestly, I picked it for the name because you give me spite in a title and I'm here for it. Do you have a spice rating for us? Not really. Because I can't think of one. To be determined. Great. Okay. Who's next? Sounds fabulous. I believe Ariel's next and then I'll go last. Then Angie will round it out. So my pick was Upon a Wicked Night by Jen Bullard. This book started off with a dedication also. And it says, we are responsible for doing better if our past actions aren't our best selves. You can always change the future because it hasn't happened yet. So not quite as in your face, but I appreciated the subtle. This book, apparently, this is just my thing because this is two for two for me. And I am going to end on a cliffhanger that, yes, once again, you are not going to get a resolution for until December. This book features Adira and Adira is an Omega and we know that her father has been keeping her locked up at home for her safety for all of her 22 years of life. And she's lived a very sheltered life. She lives a very routine sheltered life. So she gets up, she takes special medication, she has to run an hour on the treadmill. And if she does all of those things, then she can earn privileges that she can do her own things. Typically in this world, Omegas would start shopping for a pack or an alpha at the latest around 20. So the fact that she's 22 and still sheltered at home is kind of a big deal. But, you know, her father said she's there for her safety and it's a dangerous world and she's not ready yet and blah, 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 blah. This book opens up with our three 
male main characters, Kane, Damon, and Jed, storming her house. They were sent by their father, who is kind of mafia-esque in this world. He's like a big boss man. We don't get a lot of detail on that, but it's very heavily hinted and very, this is what is. Apparently, Adira's father, like, runs guns or something for their father, and he done fucked up, and he, like, stole from them and, like, did a shipment on the side and all kinds of stuff. So uh, now he's, he did. They took him, and they pew-pewed him. So now the three sons are sent to retrieve the Omega daughter as collateral because they have to get their money back somehow. Mafia and shifters. Interesting. Yeah. So obviously intruders are coming in the house searching for her. Even though Adira is very sheltered, she's not a total fucking idiot. So she fucking runs. And we run. Because she is. She's not a fox. Uh, but <laughs> anyway. Who has not she, typically she's a wolf, but yeah, pretty sure they're wolves. I don't, I don't know. know. I didn't read it. It wasn't, wasn't specified. I don't know. Nobody talked about shifting at all. It's weird. It just talked about alphas. Dude, everyone in know. my book shifted and I got confused as fuck. Anyways, she runs the fuck away through the snow. She's dashing through the snow. And fucked in the snow. Yeah, that would have been nice. But no, instead, no, no she was just snow? caught. This no. isn't frisky, the snowman. They tried to tell her to stop using their alpha voices, but they were very shocked to learn that their alpha voices did not work on her. So they had to manually catch her instead. But as they're manually catching her, she realizes that the scent of one of them is even more alluring than the already alluring scents of all of them. And it dawns on her that, like, you fucking kidding me? This man is my scent. This man is my um, scent match. Scent match, which basically her mate. Yes, I know that much. And she's like, awesome. No <laughs> prince charming. No have happily ever after for me. Just this douche canoe. She's very thrilled about it. Um, I can so tell they, by the tone. So they tie her up with some rope. It would be um, as if Ariel was in this story. That would be her. Great. So (laughs) lovely. Oh, I meant to ask you about your story. You did not mention any tinsel. There was no tinsel. She mentioned the whole story. She mentioned tinsel in like the author note in the description of the other stuff, but there was none in the actual book. There was tinsel in mine, but it wasn't used like that. It was. I'll just say it now. Tinsel. 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 Can't wait for that. You didn't have any either. I did, but it's not really relevant to the story, but I'm going to add it in. What did you have? Because tinsel. It's going to be a fucked up episode and I can't wait. Between my all over the place and me putting the sound in everywhere. (laughs) I can't believe the sick me is trying to hold this together. Come on, guys. Dude, you should have seen (laughs) us. She's so disappointed in us right now. So they tie her up with some rope. They uh, tie her hands and shove her into the back of an SUV. 
and Damon and Jed get in and there's already a driver, Morris. Morris the beta. He is the beta for their pack. Apparently, all three boys are alphas, but Jed is the lead alpha. So, you know, cool beans. Weird, but cool beans. Where is Kane, you ask? Oh, Kane is blowing the fuck up her house. Yeah, Kane likes explosives. Yeah, and he's basically like, burn in hell, Jedediah, or whatever the fuck his name is, Jeremiah. Burn in hell, Jeremiah, the dad. Blow up the house and then jump into the SUV as it peels away. So they take off. And so she's in the back, you know, rustling around, all pissed off because she was kidnapped and shoved into the back of an SUV. And they're basically like, pipe down. And (laughs) they're sitting there talking and they're telling her like, kind of like why they did all this and like what a bad man her father is and how they're there to collect the debt And she's basically like, you just blew up my house, you fucking idiots. How do you think I'm going to be able to pay you? Asking the real questions. (laughs) And they're basically like, we're taking you to the auction house. You're going to fetch a pretty penny. Because apparently Omegas have been dying out and they're few and far between. So bringing an Omega to an auction house for a pack to breed her would fetch quite pretty penny i'd be kicking and screaming the whole fucking way no one breathing so yeah she got even louder yeah so this is us in the story so then they're all like doing their thing and they got her mad enough that all of a sudden from out of nowhere she flings herself from the back of the suv area into the back seat with the rope that she somehow got off her wrists and starts like garroting Kane from behind with her feet on the back of the seat and like really putting her whole fucking body into it. And he's fucking turning purple, but he's like laughing. And, and does it turn quote, him on? By the noises he's making and how red he is, I think she just may be tickling him. Kane gets off on pain asphyxiation and i think he may bust a nut soon strawberries and cream are one of my favorite desserts but not because my brother had an orgasm so kane's scent that he gives off is strawberries cream (laughs) so he adds a little i would do anything in the world to unhear that damon is the one who is thinking all this and damon is the one that is her scent match And this is where Damon starts realizing his attraction for her, not to the degree that she instantly did, but just little things like right after he had that thought about her, he turned to her and saw her hair like tumbling down her back. And I bet she smells like sugar and baked treats. He's like, what the fuck? Because like he literally never has sex he's never turned on by anyone he was forced to lose his virginity by his brother who gave him viagra rude yeah right father's fault but yeah 
his yes, brother gave yes. the drugs, yeah. His father brought him to like basically a brothel and yeah. So he's just he's Poor not boy. he's nobody what turns him again? on, nobody's interested until this girl. And he's can't figure it out. He's just so confused. He's so fucking confused. And now he has his brother sitting here fucking getting choked to fucking orgasm completion. over here. Yeah. yeah. Choked to completion over here. <laughs> You're welcome. Jed is over here like, can you fucking stop her? Like, he's turning purple. And Damon's like, he's going to come first. And he's like, Adira, my brother gets off on pain. You might want to stop that. And she's freaking out. She's like, too many cents. Because we realize that she's starting to go into heat. And not only is she starting to go into heat, but she's starting to go into her first heat. Oh, boy. Which, again, should have happened around the age of, like, 20 or so. But, surprise, motherfuckers! Her father said she's just a late bloomer. She's freaking out. She's like, I can't pay you. Everything I have in the world is gone. And she's broken and choking through many cents. And she sees what's going on. And then Damon's like, Adira, like, you need to let go. How did you get out of the ropes? Like, distracts her to the point of, like, looking at her wrists that are bleeding. Oh, God. And that's enough to, like, click her out of it. And she lets go right as... He comes. Kane. Yeah. And she scrambles. I'm glad you weren't going to say it because I was just going to say it. Farthest she can of the SUV. But yeah, Kane basically says, little Omega, you only get to live for a little bit longer because you choked me so perfectly. Mm. And then Damon goes, strawberry cheesecake. Fucking great. (laughs) Why? Then the boys all realize why she's acting like a fucking maniac. Damon doesn't because he, again, is not around women ever and doesn't get it. But they're all starting to figure it out pretty fast. And they're like, what the fuck? Shouldn't you have known? Like, no, this is my first one kind of thing. And they quickly figure out that, yeah, those supplements, vitamins that her father has been giving her every morning. Yeah, they've been suppressing her going into heat in her maturity. So now that her father's been dead and hasn't been home in three days, surprise! So, fun time. So so now, So she's not doing so well in the back. Also, she's giving off lots of scent that's making them all react very strongly. Damon especially. Poor Morris in the front seat driving is like, Oh, the fucking driver dude, he's having a hard time over there. And he's trying to drive in a snowstorm. And it's not going well. And they're all jumping around the car. And Kane's sitting here getting choked to fucking completion. And Jed's trying to, like, hop out of the front seat to the back to help what's going on over here. It's Morris is like, should not have come to work today. <laughs> and <laughs> poor Damon's having a panic attack because he doesn't know what's going on with the Omega. Yep. Oh and so Morris is like, I can't keep driving. This is not safe. This is not safe with her in the car like this. Any second, they could snap into like an alpha frenzy type of thing. And Mm -hmm. it's not going to go well. So he calls his sister, who's only like 15 minutes away, her house. And he knows she's not home. Calls her, asks if he can use her basement. Because, 
you don't want to have a place that has a lot of smells in it. So basement was their choice? And he knows that the sister doesn't use the basement very much. So So put a girl in a basement. And the sister says the basement's a good idea because there's tinsel all over her house because her kids kind of had a field day with it and she wasn't that worried because they were leaving. She also said that they were remodeling the space so it was like freshly good for like Omega's like to nest. Yeah. So they bring her to Morris's sister's house and the boys actually like work together to help make her a nest and it's kind of cute because they don't really give a fuck about her but now they're sitting here trying to help her and it's kind of cute that they're trying because they're like warring with themselves like oh she should get nothing but she needs this I i just said it's so cute they don't like her oh no but they're fetching everything she needs Right, oh but at God. the same time, they're basically like, she should get nothing. Like, we're just, just handing her off to the, the, way you worded it. the auction it's house. It's so like, cute. They fucking hate her. <laughs> so Adira goes into heat, and Kane is the first one to be subjected to the alpha haze. and Not to be confused like, with the lavender haze. I just want to stay in that lavender uh, haze. No, I want to stay in that alpha haze. So he starts uh, going down on her to ease some of her ache. And it's that moment that things click for Damon with all of her sense rising into the air and seeing his brother with her. And he realizes what she is to him. And he is like, mine. And his okay. brothers were like, holy shit, this never happens. Let me fuck her first. Well, and he was going to let Kane. He's like, I'll get a turn eventually. It's okay. But Kane was like, no, it should be you. Kane had a soul? Even though he was in the alpha haze. Damn. Yeah. He's a true brother. That man. Yeah. <laughs> so Damon went to fucking town. He went to pound town. town. Do we say that at the same time? We keep doing that. They all kind of play with her a bit. Kane even fucks her face for a little while before he decides that he's going to play with his toy Morris instead. So that. So beta. It's his, it's his beta, so he okay. can play with him whenever he wants. And right, Damon okay. is the only one who's not involved with Morris, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, okay. Yes. Good for Morris. Damon's not involved with anyone. Yeah. But that's okay because that makes room so that Kane can stop playing with her titties and move up to fuck her face too. And it's and, fucking uh, her face, not her throat. It was not. It was laying on the floor in a nest. So I'm going to say face. Okay. We'll go face. Fucking. I think she was on her hands and knees. Huh? Because Kane was underneath her playing with her tits. And then when Kane rose up and had his dick in her face, then Damon scooped his arm up and grabbed her by the throat and pulled her up so that her back was to his chest so that he can pull her up fuck the shit out of her not her and bite her that's kind of like really nice apparently this went on for days though we don't get to know that this haze gets went on for days because days later adira wakes up alone in her nest clarity and right, everyone's so that post not clarity. Post not clarity. 
<laughs> um. <laughs> Nicely done. Well done. <laughs> so they're dehazed now, and she is clearly marked by Damon, and she can feel Damon through their now connection that they have. And she can feel his stress and agitation and worry. And she hears talking and she kind of goes through the house to find out where the boys are. And she overhears them talking. And now that they are out of the haze, they are talking about how they still have a job to do, that they can't betray their father and that they need to deliver her to the auction house. And it's a really good thing that nobody else bit her because it's bad enough to have one brother be suffering over this. And then Damon's all kind of upset and they're just like, well, maybe you can find her after she's used up kind of thing through your connection to her. And she hears all this and she's like, fuck no. And she finds some shoes by the door and she fucking runs, which they hear the door and they run after her. And they're all like, stop. And... They're trying to use their omegas. They're like, she's like, your bark doesn't work on me, asshole. And she keeps running. And and now Damon is, Adira, stop. And she's like, why? And he's like, because I don't want to hurt you. And all of a sudden you hear, wait, and no, she goes down. And all of a sudden Morris is there. Like, hold on. I know it hurts. Hold on. And then you have Jed. I'm taking away your goddamn gun, Damon. And worst of all, Damon fully opens the bond and she's flooded with love and sadness, apologies, but she still doesn't know how he shot her. And she's just like, this will keep you from having to sell me. And Damon's all like, I didn't mean to. And she's kind of like, I don't know what he didn't mean to do. You don't mean to kidnap me, bite me, shoot me doesn't matter now. Darkness comes for me. Time slips through my fingers as I lose consciousness and I wonder if I ever want to wake again. And that's the end of our story. Cliffhanger with somebody's life on the line. Chill. I would probably read that. I was a little into it. You know, I was a little into Kane. Yeah. I know I went through it kind of quickly, but they all had good qualities. Yeah. So this story will be back for their full length standalone in December. 2024. God damn it. Just like my last pick of the last anthology. Keep doing this to us. Keep ruining our souls. Weirdly enough, my favorite character was Adira because as sheltered as she was, she did not take any shit and she fought every chance she got. And she was there. She stood up. Unfortunately, this is not a whole book, but I I liked it. There were some typos in it, just like it wasn't gone through, like names were. It was a lot of easy things to fix, like extra letters here and there. I think in theory, when the whole novel comes out, I would imagine that would get fixed because it would be a whole run through. I'm going to say for now, I'm going to tentatively give it a four. I like that. So. I like that. That is Upon a Wicked Night. Newcomer reading? Oh, it's hard because it's not a whole book. I only have yeah. the one scene. One and a half if you count Kate in the car. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess I'll give it a three because I only had the one and a half scenes. Maybe a four because there were so many people involved. 
All right, Angie, what are you bringing us? Our resident brat will take over. You've okay. got mommy, you've got daddy, you've got a brat. We've got the whole party here. The whole <laughs> fetish. baby brat. Mommy, daddy, and baby brat. And I've got their full undivided attention. Yay. Okay. Because <laughs> you've been such a good girl this whole time. Stop it. Okay. You're going to make me blush. Oh, my God. <laughs> this book was 82 pages long, this novella. An Omega for Christmas by D.E. Scion. <laughs> An Omega for Christmas is a white shoes novella set in the fictional world of Briar Oak and features Omega-verse characters. Sexually explicit content does take place, including FM, MM, MMF. This little holiday novella is for those that want a shot of something short and sweet, where the characters are too good to be true, where there is no third act breakup and green flags everywhere. I did not read this introduction because I like to skip right in and uh, not even read the warnings because I have issues. For the actual warnings, we have infertility, discrimination, daddy kink without age play, breeding kink, actual breeding, nodding, mpreg, msex, threesome without cheating. That mpreg thing still gets me. Oh. Where does the baby come out? <laughs> you will see. Okay. Oh. You won't come see. with me and you'll see. Oh my god. A world of pure vagination. <laughs> Such a great word. So, I'm going to introduce all of us to our characters instead of the way that our author introduced them to us chronologically because it will just go so much faster if we all know who we're talking about. So, Eric Kane and Aureliana, or Leah for short, Kane, are a mated and married couple. They're high school sweethearts, and they live in this cute little snowy cabin up in Oregon, and they have been trying to have children for 10 years, but she's infertile, so they've been trying to adopt. Now, they are nearing their 15th anniversary the next day when so they'd be old no they're high school sweethearts so they're in the 30s are you calling us old ariel because that's so how they have be. children kind of my mom had I my guess. sister at 39 okay so eric and leah or ari, ari oh, eric a- ariel's wearing a little mermaid shirt but it's eric a-r-i-c-k eric that's a lot of extra Cri- letters yeah. crystal and i are choosing to believe that it's eric it's Prince Eric. So Ari is an alpha and Leah is a beta. Leah is infertile. And so they've moved on and they've tried to do adopting, right? Except that this has been their fifth rejection. And the council says they can't try for adoption anymore unless they move to a different area and try with like a different it's a real shit show and they're like super heartbroken about it and they get this news right as the world opens up and right before their 15th year anniversary pin in that i'm going to introduce you to our omega whose name i cannot pronounce it's spelled r-i-o-g-h-a-n i would say Ryan. Ryan. They call him Rio for short, so I will be calling him Rio from now on. Leah, Arbeta, 
Ari are alpha and Rio are omega. Cool, cool. So Rio is in town visiting their cousin, Parker, from Florida. And he has also come in search of a different alpha because his alpha, while they never went hungry or cold, was not kind. And one time when this Omega tried to get a job at the Omega Center, the Alpha said no, and they tried to go anyway, and they still have scars on their neck from the fit that the Alpha threw. So Lovely. Parker, being our resident super kind himbo, is the way that he's described. Like He is the kindest airhead you will ever meet. Oh, I love a good himbo. Oh, so great. He's like, hey, come up and visit me. And, you know, it'll be fine. And in his head, Parker's thinking, hey, well, maybe I can introduce him to the Canes because they've been looking for an Omega to meet with, whether they have children with this Omega or not. So this could be a good thing for all of them. So Rio comes to visit his cousin, except our resident airhead has a date. The one thing he will never be late for a date and he forgets to tell his cousin that hey i know that we live up a mountain but i went into town real quick for this date but don't worry like there's a generator and the neighbors have a snowmobile so if you need anything just hit them up except that reels from florida and has never dealt with the snow and he didn't parker didn't teach him how to use the generator so (laughs) the lights went out and rio goes out into the snow to brave the storm to try and find these neighbors and he falls and he gets hurt and we're going to put a pin in that and we're going to go to the beginning a lot of pins so leah and eric are driving back from the hearing and they are beside themselves they're like super depressed super not happy but the thing that really pissed Ari off was the fact that he was advised to find a nice fertile omega so he could have his children that he didn't have to be trapped and this pissed him off because Leah they're basically like faded mates and how dare they say something like that devastated that they got denied for the fifth and final time for adoption and the whole time he's known Leah, all she was wanted to do was have a family and be a mother. And he can't give that to her. And as a providing alpha, he's distraught that he can't give it to her. And this is when I fall in love with Eric because they pull over and he's asking, what do you need? And she climbs on his lap and they, you know, emotional support cuddles. And she asks him what he's thinking. And he's thinking about, like the uh, first day that they met and he recalls like down to what she was wearing. And he said, I knew the moment you smiled at me that I would be yours forever, no matter what. And then he says, we'll get through this. Like we get through everything. We should take a few days and talk about what we want to do next. But as long as I have you, I don't care if we never have children. I want them just like you do, but I want you more. I'm not going to leave you. I love every piece of you. To me, my love, you are perfect. And I almost Mm -hmm. cried. Now that they've calmed down for a little bit, they kept driving because they really needed to stop for this conversation anyway because 
they're driving through a snowstorm. It's pretty bad. It's getting pretty bad. They live on the top of a mountain. He had bought her this cabin when she turned 25. They had first visited this cabin. It was their first like overnight trip together when they were 20. So like the whole place means a lot to them. So they get home and she's, you know, knockered from her like emotional breakdown so he puts her on the couch because he knows that if he puts her on the bed she'll freak out because he's too far away from her and he starts cooking her favorite meal for her and then they clean up together and we learn that they have an equal and harmonious household then they decide to take a bath together he's asking her about the best like days of her life because he's talking about like the day that he got their cabin and she said that was the third best day of my life and he's asking what are the best two and he says I knew of course I did but she knew I needed to hear my curvy stunning amazing wife slipped the cable knit dress off her shoulders and let it fall to the floor while she tilted back against my now bare chest so like they're like getting cozy Uh, and then he says normally I would have stopped to worship her soft curvy belly but I knew that today it would be a sore spot and was best avoided until Leah invited that touch from me. She felt empty sometimes. She confessed to me once at night from how desperately she wanted to be a mother. That broke my heart. There's a little bit even more curvy rep. He says, I rubbed my lips over her thighs, full and soft under my touch. I loved Aureliano's body. She was healthy and trim, but soft and curvy at the same time. The curves she proudly displayed reminded me of a Renaissance painting. Described her to a Renaissance painting. I should mention that the chapter's uh, point of view shifts every chapter. So Leah, even though she's a beta, she's very self-assured and she knows what she wants. And there's this quote that says, I needed to watch my alpha on his knees for me, which, yep. There was a slight typo, but still a great quote. And then we get descriptors for eric he is 6'3 brown hair green eyes strong muscular and tattooed body love that i don't know how but the author made me feel more sad than horny while she like inserted this because it talked about how she like wanted to be full of him but didn't want to think about the fact that she couldn't grow anything with her own body god being sad and horny are two very like that's a hard situation Yes, it is. That's confusing. Yeah. But then she was like, nope, I need to get out of my head. So she literally asked him to like fuck her out of her mind. It was great. We learn that their dynamic is even. So they're basically switches. Sometimes I got him worked up enough that he lost control. I loved it when he was at my mercy. But right now I was at his. I love it. He is also described as a lucky alpha because he can control his knot at will. He's like one of the very few that he can like do it at will and so she asks him to do it and he's like i got you interesting so that was the they finished their bath they're in bed happy and satisfied chapter three opens up with rio's point of view we learn that he's out there he's like very like sarcastically monologuing like come visit me Rio it'll be fun come stay with me week like he's literally telling us everything that has happened in a super sarcastic way and then he falls into a hole because again he can't see anything and he falls into a hole and he's like I'm going to kill Parker (laughs) I'd fallen in maybe six feet onto what felt like rock or maybe a tree trunk under my feet 
Using that to push off, I squirmed my way back up, made it probably halfway onto the ground level before I lost purchase and slid down again, wincing when my hurt ankle flexed under the pressure. So he's now hurt and in a freaking hole. And then Eric had hurt something. So he went to go check and he scares the living bejesus out of freaking Rio. He's like, I mean, are you okay? Are you hurt? Black and he can't see anything. Just having a person just coming out of fucking nowhere is... Yeah, so he's flat on his back, breathing hard, sweating, and shivering. And then he hears, are you okay? Are you hurt? He screams bloody murder and flings a handful of snow (laughs) to the face that was suddenly right next to his, talking to him in a deep voice. So Eric had gotten up to check, and he's like, oh my god, where the fuck did you come from? Oh my God, I almost had a heart attack. Only 22. Didn't your mama ever tell you not to sneak up in a person? Like he goes off on him. So funny. So he just, he's like, hey, are you Alpha Kane? And he's like, yeah. It's like, so my cousin Parker, yada, yada, yada. He's like, all right. They make introductions and Alpha Kane like swoops him up because Omegas are apparently smaller. I never got the descriptor for Rio, but I'm guessing he's smaller than Leah. So he picks him up. Like he weighs nothing and he takes him in the house and he's like, my wife is a beta and she'll take a look at your ankle and, you know, if you're comfortable and it'll be okay. And the whole time they're just trying to make sure that he's super comfortable because, you know, there's the whole like power play thing and the megaverse and they don't really do formalities. Ari and Leah, they just, they're very balanced. They're just a married couple. So takes him inside and. Rio says, oh, fuck me sideways. He's gorgeous. It was only when he stopped short and quirked a brow at me with an amused look on his face that I realized I'd spoken out loud. Dude was so out of it. He was literally like, so I thought that was hilarious. I would do. Yeah. So then, you know, Rio's like, are you sure your wife is okay with you bringing me? Ari's like, if I leave you out here, she's going to make me sleep on the dog bed. Also, they have a dog and the dog has a bed and he means it. So Rio's like, but she doesn't even know I exist yet. I could have been a screech owl. She'll know. How exactly? Because she knows everything. You really have had to sleep in the dog bed, haven't you? Once. Poor dear. Yes. Now hush. Your lips are blue and I want to get you something hot to drink. He immediately goes alpha teddy bear on this guy. And it's adorable. And then he said, I thought you were going to say you wanted to get something hot in me. (laughs) Oh, because Rio is just, he's just the most. Something about Rio that confused me that I wish I had learned earlier on that I did not learn. Uh, Rio from half up is a dude. And from bottom down, he has complete female and male reproductive systems. So you have the penis at top. And then the balls, and then the vagina right under the balls, and then the asshole. Interesting. Yes, I was very confused. I kept calling Rio they because I didn't know what was going on, but Rio refers to himself as a he. So Leah looks at his ankle, and this is where we find out that Rio is actually a dude, and that Parker is the kindest himbo in existence. And Rio's descriptors, you know, he's pale skin which i thought was strange for living in florida but then i thought about crystal and i'm like yeah that tracks blue eyes dark hair and scars on the right side of his neck that was very prominent from the get-go then we learned that leah is a school nurse and so she's like 
you know, actually qualified to take a look at his ankle. It doesn't look broken, but he's definitely going to have to stay off it for a while. But it's not a problem because apparently Omega's heal super quickly. Eric gets some spare clothes for him because obviously he's like super drenched. And Eric takes him to the restroom to get changed out of his wet clothes. And he finds himself extra excited by Rio's scent. So, you know, he's trying to be all polite and shuffle out and be like, okay, let me know if you need anything. And he like closes the bathroom door so that he doesn't see like the tent in his sweatpants. And Leah, apparently also affected, gives him a blowjob in the hallway. Well, that went quickly. Yeah. Rio finishes his bath, shower, whatever. Eric goes back and, you know, helps him dress. And then they put him in their bed and they decide to take the couch. And... Leah is just super like nurturing and mothering to him and it makes her so happy to like take care of this Omega and Eric is eating it up he is loving seeing his mate do all this like he is in cloud nine but he also feels so guilty about it because like obviously he's a married mated man like he feels so conflicted they get some food in him and Rio learns about their struggles, trying to find an Omega to join their family, and subsequently learns about, like, how balanced the household dynamic is. They tuck him in to their bed after Leah makes him eat something, and then they head to the couch. While she's, like, tucking him in, she learns that Rio's alpha sounds like a complete 180 from Eric, and that... Rio's in town to find a new alpha because the ones in Florida aren't very nice. Leah tells Eric later when they're like snuggling up on the couch that maybe they should throw their hat in the ring and, you know, see what happens. And Ari, ever the level-headed alpha, says, sleep on it. We'll think about it in the morning. They snuggle up and go to sleep. I love Um, all the snuggles. I know. Oh, my gosh. So it's the next morning and we find out that they're officially snowed in. They have breakfast and they reassure him that he's not imposing. Rio's like, you know, please let me know and I'll reimburse you for like everything. And they're like, we want you here. Don't you worry about it. And they get to know each other a little bit better. Rio reveals a little bit more about, you know, his alpha situation and like that they don't really celebrate the holidays because it's around Christmas and that his alpha did let him keep a small desk tree with blue tinsel and then they decide to hang up Christmas decorations together Leah reveals that she's usually very possessive when it comes to Ari but that she doesn't feel that way with Rio and she just feels happy and settled in chapter six we learned that they're going to be snowed in for a little bit longer So they decide to hang up Christmas decorations together. And after breakfast, Leah goes out and says, I marked the tree that I want with the red ribbon. Like, if it's too much, then we'll get the fake tree. So Ari goes out and then it's just Rio and Leah in the kitchen. Rio calls Parker after they find out that they're going to be snowed in for a little bit longer. And he finds out that Parker kind of set up the whole thing. And then... He puts, like, the thought in Rio's head, and Rio gets excited about the prospect of having Ari's child. So I was like, wait a second, male pregnancy? And this is where having read the warnings would have come in handy. So 
Ben gets to Leah's point of view. They're in the kitchen. She's making lunch. He's keeping her company while he's out chopping the tree that Leah marked for Christmas. We learn occupations. Leah's a school nurse and she volunteers weekly at the local beta center. Arik is more of an entrepreneur. He owns the gym, the furniture, and the mill in town, but he's more like a silent partner at the gym because it was his sister's dream and he just made it happen. And he just spends his time running back from the shop to like the mill and making furniture and whatnot. We learned that Rio is a student and he tried to do the thing at the Omega Center, but his alpha didn't like it. So then there was a really cute moment in this one where Ari said right before that he goes out to chop the tree. So he goes, are you wearing my favorite things under this dress that I love so much on you? She says, yes, Alpha. And he goes, good girl. I love you. My direct, My direct comment, me, dead, swoon, dead, melt, all in capitalization. Rio and Leah start talking about what they'd like in the future, like family-wise. And Leah asks him if he thinks he might be the right fit for them. And he says, yes. So after they set the food, it's like a crock pot kind of meals. They move to the couch, like kind of just keep talking and they end up snuggling. And right before they fall asleep, Leah tells them to like take the rest of the day to think about it before they talk it through with Ari. Chapter eight begins. In Eric's point of view, on his way back with the tree, he spots a tiny little Charlie Brown tree. And it re- reminds him of Rio. So he gets it down for him and he like keeps going. Then he found them napping on the couch and it was so cute to him that he had to stop to take pictures. And then he just let them nap and he made himself useful upstairs. This man is basically the poster child for anti-alpha male toxicity. Fucking soon. Love it. He goes in, he braves the storage space even though he's scared of spiders because deep in his heart, he just knows there is blue tinsel in there somewhere and gosh darn it, he's going to find it. While he's doing all this, he realizes that he's really going to talk to Leah about putting in a bonding request for Rio, but only if Leah wants it. If she doesn't, nothing's going to happen. When they wake up, Ari takes Leah with him for a shower and Leah fills him in. The thought of the three of them gets them very That's not where I water. thought that was going. Wait, why? Because <laughs> he, she fills him in. No, he <laughs> fills her in. Fills him in. No, he fills her. In. Ariel had the same thought I did. So the dirty talk in this part was a hundred. They are taking their shower, and the thought of the three of them together gets them so hot and bothered that he asks Leah, "Do you like him?" And she says, yes, I like him so much. He said he was hoping his alpha would have another omega or beta to be his best friend and hopefully more. I want to take care of him, be friends with him, and help him reach his goals. I want to watch him come apart on your cock. He'd be beautiful, whimpering into my pussy while you knot him up, breeding him so full. That went from zero to 100. Yes, it did. But here's the thing. Thinking about the fact that not only does he have a dick, but he has a vagina. Imagine the possibilities. Yes, I thought about that also. So that just drove him fucking insane and literally fucked her senseless after that and bit her again. So exciting. (laughs) I know it's a mating thing and I'm kind of into it. 
I plead the fifth. He says, picture it. Picture him tonguing your clit while he comes apart on my knot. You'll make his face all slick and shiny while I breed him. They finish showering, they dress, and they join Rio in the living room. And Eric makes his intentions known, letting him know that they want him, but it's totally up to him whether they get together. And then he goes to finish dinner while Leah and Rio talk a little bit more. Do they talk or do they choke? No, they talk. Like, man, what in the world? Leah is a really interesting character because she's very self-assured and the level of growth and maturity this character has is amazing. She decides that she wants to get dressed in like an evening gown, even though they're not going anywhere because she likes to dress however she's feeling. And Ari had asked her that one time, like why she gets really dressed up just to be at home. And she said, I dress to impress myself. And that's when I feel the prettiest or the sexiest, the most confident, or even the most comfortable. Sometimes that means sweatpants and a stained t-shirt. And sometimes that means a ball gown. You wear whatever you're comfortable in at home and I'll do the same. I love her so much. Anyway, so he is in gray sweatpants and an old college shirt. Sorry. Yes. (laughs) And she said, (laughs) you look exquisite, my love. And he said, I aim to impress, you know? He wrapped it so nicely for her. Three sweatpants. Yes. So he says, I'll go finish dinner and I'll see if Rio wants to help. And she shakes her head and says, I'd like to talk to him a little bit more. So they make their way from the bedroom into the living room. And Rio's like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. You look gorgeous. Because he is attracted to both of them. They're all attracted to each other, by the way. Ari says, doesn't she look good enough to eat? I'm going to go ahead and like finish dinner. Um, it'll be ready in about half an hour. And then Rio's like, but it's your anniversary. Like, shouldn't you eat together without me? And he's like, we want you there. Oh, they want to eat. This is not that kind. So they tell him you can read a book if he wants or whatnot. Right before he heads into the kitchen, he tells him, but I want you to know that if I could, I'd submit a bonding request for you right this minute. If that's not what you want, that's okay, and I hope we can be friends. But you feel like mine, like ours, and I'm not going to hide that from you. Everything is up to you, but if you want us, we want you too. During dinner, they talk about expectations, like if they were to pursue a relationship, what that would look like, and then they move to the couch as a group, and things start heating up. While things heated up at the end of Chapter 9, Rio asks Ari to fuck him and like Ari looks to Leah for confirmation. Yep. And Leah's like very enthusiastic. Yes, let's go. And so they go do that. Chapter 10 starts with Rio thinking, oh hell, if he can kiss this well, what would sex be like? Amazing. Yes. It'd be amazing. Um, It translates. This is where he explains his anatomy. Roughly one third of the male omega population, I had two complete reproductive systems in a tight slit just behind my balls that typically stayed closed until I was in heat or I was extremely aroused. I had female anatomy, but I also had a full set of male anatomy. Because of that, I was considered extremely fertile by my omega doctors. He talks a little bit about why he's like so sought after and like, the whole bonding thing and how oppressive it is and like yada 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 so 
They move into the bedroom and Rio is kicked in into a pseudo heat, which he says only happens with faded mates. Sweet deal. Yep. And then their dirty talk and their breeding kink really comes out to play here. He says, breed me daddy, hold me down and make me take your knot. Just very there. So Ari <laughs> was like, and I'm out. <laughs> I will never Ari, ask anybody to breed me because I don't like this. <laughs> I just, I have no problem being a Twinkie. I just don't want children. Like Twinkie me up, baby. That's fine. I'm just not going to be like, breed me daddy. No. <laughs> now I want to say that just to scare somebody away. So you have to let a man near you first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Leah whispers into Rio's ear to call him daddy. So that when Rio does it, Ari loses his freaking mind. Like, he loses it. So funny. So, okay. So, Ari knots Rio while Leah came on Ari's hand. Rio wanted to watch Ari and Leah together. And then they all take a big bath, calm down. They clean up the kitchen from dinner. And then they go to bed. The next morning, Rio wakes up early to find that Ari has made a little tree complete with the blue tinsel. And he basically begs him on the spot to just make him his Omega, like no waiting period, no nothing. And Leah wakes up with a smile to find them making love on the table. Then in the epilogue, it's been another five years. They have a five-year-old alpha named Carter Parker Kane, which is a tiny version of Ari. They have a bonding ceremony shortly after Carter was born. They also had another child, a beta, who was a tiny version of Rio and 13 months younger than Carter. Rio was eight months pregnant with twins, which Leah is pretty sure happened the very night that her miracle baby was born. She had a miracle baby that was eight months old. Kira Antonia Kane. I'm sorry. So the men all got together and had sex while this woman was giving birth. This exhausted woman mm-hmm. just birthed a human out of her hoo-ha and all the men just got slap happy. They were happy. Went. So they got, so they celebrated by having sex. And you know what? She probably got turned on by watching them have sex. Probably. She did not get Rio turned is on. Pregnant she, with- she just had a baby out of her vagina. You don't know her. You're not in her brain. But she doesn't have to have the sex. She can just watch the sex being had and be like, enjoy, baby. I love you. You know what? They have to be like, "Mm, no, I'm just assuming they celebrated by banging. And And she she was okay with it. Yeah. And she was okay with it because guess what? She doesn't have to do anything. She's good. Okay. I feel like she'd be pretty tired, but okay. (laughs) She doesn't have to have sex. Also, Parker ended up with a pack of his own and also got his happily ever after. And surprise to absolutely nobody, Ari got even soonier with fatherhood. He really Uh, became a daddy. Yeah. Rio now worked at the Omega Center three days a week and helped new parents find their group too. Leah quit her job joyfully to be a full stay-at-home parent after Carter was born. And you guys, even the dog made it. The dog was alive and they also had a puppy. And they all gathered around a tiny tree and listened to Ari as he told the tale of, quote, our first baby tree, the wonderful year we'd had an Omega for Christmas. Ariel hates the story because it's happy. It was so swoony. <laughs> and it has a lot of love and swoons. So, so if I just... used trash fingers, I would use them on you. Uh, you know, you've so... gotten soft as you've gotten older. He used to trash finger me all the time. That's a bad <laughs> Nope. 
<laughs> yeah, I did, baby. Oh, just <laughs> yesterday. That's what mommies do to daddies. <laughs> they oh, use God. those trash fingers. So, yay. For this Omega for Christmas book, my favorite was Alpha Kane, Ari, because, I mean, come on, man. He is literally everything. Overall rating, uh, I'm going to give this one a strong 3.9 because even though this was the first work that this author has published, there were a lot of grammatical stuff that I caught. I also feel like if it was supposed to be a slow burn completely, it should have read that way. If it was not supposed to be that way, it should have read that way. It was also to convenience, like maybe I'm jaded or... I don't know what, but you can't just have. A but that book was of... the intent of the story. Yes, but you can't just have a book full of green flags. I need some drama. It's a novella and an anthology. I don't know. Ariel likes to find a lot of problems with convenient things in a lot of books sometimes, even though they're there for a reason. What was um, your cucumber rating? There were a lot of things that took away from it, and there were some things that added to it. So I'm going to go with a solid six and a half. There you okay. go. Yes. Well, that was our second Snowden January anthology. These books, I feel like, were a little heavier, a little less tinsely, but still good. Honestly, it was probably just the content because I had a harder time with the paranormal part. Well, don't you worry, Crystal, because our next anthology it's Crystal's is Crystal's anthology. It is. It's rom commy. So is rom commy lighter romance reads for our next one. I'm so excited. You got this. I got this. It is right up your alley. Hell fucking yeah. I don't know. I don't even think I have an alley anymore. I just have like a roads. <laughs> it's a boulevard, baby. So please read it. Please don't just let us sit here and be weird. I mean, about you could, it. but don't be weird about it. Just make sure. To keep reading. And keep it smutty. The corner. With Angie's Alpha. Cause I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not.